Welcome, beautiful world, to Barbarian Noetics, the podcast dedicated to the human spirit. I'm your host, Conan Tanner. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the BMP, and thank you, as always, for joining. I want each of you to stop and pat yourselves on the back for being amazing and resilient and human and all of the other things uh, with no value judgment whatsoever. Just take a moment to give yourself some credit for bearing witness to this tumultuous time in history and for being you and for carrying your time-space ripples through the tunnel, the reality tunnel that we currently are in. And I appreciate each one of you for bringing your reality tunnels here to the BNP. And I'm incredibly excited about this episode. Um, If you hear a little bit of background drone, it's 185 degrees outside. I think that's exact. Uh, The heat index, I think, might be like 192, uh, 185 Fahrenheit. Um, So I do have the back AC unit on, uh, but I did turn the front one off for y'all because I love y'all. And uh, so my cat, when I did that, my cat immediately migrated from the front room to the back room. (laughs) And uh, anyways, I'm super excited about this episode, so we're going to get right into it. This episode, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce the woman, the myth, the legend, the tea fairy. Benefit enhancement activist, veteran head level, head leveler, and purveyor of all-around awesomeness. The Tea Fairy is a trip integration specialist and psychedelic medicine woman extraordinaire. And probably the Tea Fairy wouldn't even want all these labels because she would probably consider herself uh, transcendent, inclusive and transcendent of all such labels due to the inherent um, uh, limitations of language. But I still have to do an intro, so this is my attempt. Um, her articles on the seminal InfoVault archive, Arrowhead.org, have received well over a million views. The Tea Fairy is sharp as a porcupine spine, smart as a mycelial mat of psilocybe cubenzies, light as an airborne tuft of dandelion potentiality, and also, most importantly, super fun and easy to talk to. So, a heartfelt thank you to the Tea Fairy for gracing the BMP with her magical nuggets of hard-won experiential knowledge and mystic wisdom straight from the psychoactive sphere. This is an interview not to be missed, so sit back, relax, maybe take a hit off your distillate or whatever, and enjoy.
here we are, audio only. All right, sweet. <laughs> um, so you mentioned something. I, I was talking about harm reduction, and you called it, you flipped it, and you called it benefit enhancement. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not oriented around harm. You know, people say that their purpose in life is to reduce suffering. Fuck, can I say fuck on your show? I'm of sorry. Course. Oh, yeah, you can say anything. Yeah, we have no, uh, no well, limits. Fuck that, then. <laughs> fuck, fuck having your life be about reducing suffering. It's a noble goal, but I'm here to increase awesome. I'm oriented around awesome, and sometimes that requires reducing a lot of suffering. But that's not what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not here to reduce. It suggests that, well, there's going to be harm from doing drugs, but we're going to try to make it less. Right. You're right. It assumes the harm and then and right? then works from there. We're admitting that this is a bad thing. It shouldn't be happening. But darn it, some people are going to do it. And since some people are going to be doing something stupid, we got to be there to help catch them. And it's not untrue, but it's not the whole truth. <laughs> Right, yeah, and that's another thing I really appreciate about your kind of mind state and and worldview is that there's no like condescension to it. I think sometimes when we get into the subculture of of uh, I'm just gonna say benefit enhancement from now on, <laughs> but we get into that subculture. Yeah, there does sometimes tend to be this sort of thing of like, oh, the silly children and they don't know how to control themselves, and and so I, that's why I'm here as like the savior figure or the caretaker you know, figure. To some degree, they're children. You know, they're. 18 or 20 and they're making beginners mistakes and you know I'm the little old lady who never leaves medical who's sitting there going like <laughs> I used to be you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> and what has brought you to this place my friend oh again you say oh, have a seat you know but, yes. but uh, you know, sometimes it isn't sometimes it's people who are just very experienced who know what they're doing and just you know tripped over the wrong fold in the fabric of space-time or something and they have and something entirely unexpected has happened um you know they've taken this much acid before lots of times right <laughs> at big events yeah and this time it's you know time for something completely different um what's that uh are you swallowed the marble and the oatmeal now you get to drink out of the fire <laughs> 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 yeah and um, it's an opportunity, you know. It's an, it's an, as far as I'm concerned, this is the most interesting thing happening at this festival right now. People are always so apologetic. They're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," you know. To be and I'm like, "No, no, this is amusing me." I mean, the fact that it's amusing me is what ought to be comforting to them. I'll say, "Look, I'm a very compassionate person, and you're slightly telepathic right now, right? You can tell I'm slightly amused by this." Okay, if I thought <laughs> that you had broken your brain, I would not be amused okay Mm. i know that you're going to be fine i know the sun is going to rise over there and we're going to be talking about this in the past tense and in the meantime we have an opportunity you're going to freaking level tonight i'm standing for it and like Mm -hmm. it it, that makes all the difference is when you're not freaked out Mm -hmm. yeah and how much of that comes do you think from um your own innate knowing and sort of like you could say like you're uh, I never know how to pronounce this, the ra- raison d'etre or whatever, your reason for being, uh, versus like your experiences that you've had um, in the psychedelic space. I don't know how to separate them. I was a psychedelic jackass in my 20s, so <laughs> I had, I'm 46 now, yeah. half my life ago. Um, <laughs> I, I stand for being a psychedelic jackass in your 20s. <laughs> and and I, I survived remarkably unscathed. Yeah. If I did, I can't tell. Um, <laughs> but, but but I 
I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with my consciousness for the most part. I, I don't feel like my memory is any worse or, you know, I don't, it's nothing like that. Um, but I, none of us would be doing this work, I think. I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but really, unless we had been there, mm-hmm. there's, most of the people that I work with have definitely been there. And we understand that, you know, 10 minutes for this kid is 10,000 years on your you know, of service in your karma card or whatever, uh-huh. like he's a good 10,000 years for this kid, right? Right. And so, you know, we if I can go to your car and get you your jacket or something, I'm like kinky to do it, literally kinky to do it. <laughs> I, I, it's not in any kind of submissive way. It's just like, let me, sir, you know, your your time is more valuable than mine right now. Yeah. And so do you, have you always like been, like even when you were, you know, on more of the actual experiential, experimental phase in your 20s? Were you someone who was kind of drawn to being present yeah, well, with people and stuff? Yeah, well, I was a tea timer. That's where Tea Fairy comes from. Do you know the Rainbow Gathering is? Yeah. So the tea time is my kitchen, and, and it's a you know pirate tea house of no mild psychedelic repute. And <laughs> they, <laughs> it's an institution, we like to say. Hell yeah. And, and the, the, the thing is, is that we blow these horns into the night, every 15 minutes or so make a big racket so that you know if you lose your camp at burning man you can find it it's at 315 and g right mm-hmm. at the gathering in the woods you'll just keep walking the wrong way like out of town mm-hmm. and so somebody has to be the sacred loud ass camp that all the trippers can wash up and know that there's going to be a fire and free tea it's the only thing that's always open at night mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's also you know the sort of psychedelic triage camp it's not quite medical it's not calm um, but it's where they tend to sort of crawl into into the light first, who's been out in the forest for a while. And the tea fairies are here for you. Mm-hmm. We'll listen to your testimony. We'll, you know, roll you a joint. We'll take you to the shitter. We'll, you know, say, hold on a second. You can't stop us! It's a thing. So, yeah, I've always been, you know, drawn to doing that kind of work. And when I started trip sitting a lot, people would started calling me tea fairy because they knew that if i was on duty i'd do anything for them hmm. um it used to be a tradition to dose the tea fairies it still is um but it used to be a stronger tradition and the thing was is you take as much acid as is given to you while you're serving and when you can't name all nine kinds of tea on the rail and keep the pattern snappy hmm. you're out in the next bogus to be tea fairy so they keep free labor uh you know coming <laughs> yeah right and I, uh, I served for 36 hours in Arizona in 1996. Uh huh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I think that's that's my origin story. Hell yeah. <laughs> was that down in Tucson by Gem, uh, Gem and Jam or? Oh gosh, I don't remember. I just remember it was in Oregon. It was it was kind of. <sighs> yeah, that sounds. I know. I don't know. I don't. I did. I've worked Gem and Jam recently. In fact, it was one of the only two festivals I worked this year because it's the only two festivals there's going to be. I went to Jim and Jam right. in January and then Envision in February. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling from Phoenix, so that's why I asked. You mentioned Arizona, so there's a little yeah. Arizona connect. Jim Jam was, it happened. I almost didn't go because it was early. And, yeah. You know, I'm glad I got it in because <laughs> there's not much festival season. This I would normally be working every weekend between now and Burning Man. Right. Yeah, I've I've seen I follow you on Instagram, so I saw you posted a bit ago. You were doing like a like a super um, ninja mission, like with your face mask, and you were going out. I'm oh, assuming yeah. to help de- to help uh, 
Well, it bought me 14 benefit. days of privacy because my husband, uh, you know, has been going back and forth between here and his girlfriend's place, and mm-hmm. he, she couldn't see him if I had seen him after I had been with this girl, mm-hmm. um, who had been in the hospital like a week before with a broken leg, and you know, the the risk factors were too high. So I actually it was wonderful. I stayed here for 14 days by myself. I started doing a little solo podcast. I'll send you a, a link to it. I um, would love that. You know, that's just mostly me reading my writings, like my favorite writing. This is exciting. Um, I'm stoked. <laughs> but, you know, I've been working on my Amazon essay, which has, you know, been this big bugbear that's been, I've been trying to, you know, give birth to anally for like the last <laughs> five years. Yeah. <laughs> it takes me as long to write this essay as it takes people to get like a bachelor's degree. And uh, when you call it an essay, like, are you speaking tongue-in-cheek or, like, it's oh, not? Oh, no. No, okay. it's just an essay. <laughs> okay, okay. It's for Erwin. I, I just, I promised the nice lady who probably saved my life that the next essay I put out on Arrowhead would be about her wonderful retreat center in Jaguar Sanctuary in Peru. And mm. I am afraid to break that promise. And I am afraid to write the essay. I have mm. written an epic poem. Um that mm-hmm. I've published that doesn't count mm-hmm. uh, about 5-MeO DMT but basically I've been stuck and I'm over it like it, this is the my favorite possible time to be a psychedelic superhero I had the platform that I would have wanted like it got millions of hits I asked her you know do you think I have a million hits put together and he said they all have a million hits mm-hmm. like it's the only column on Airwood and we get 100,000 unique hit visitors a day yeah yeah <laughs> and <laughs> You know, so they didn't pay me. I don't know, right? But it, it also, like, suddenly the responsibility comes down like gravity where it's like, oh, shit, people are reading this? Like, I thought I was just talking to myself, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, and a bunch of these kids on air are, you know, again, 19, and they m- might take what I have to say literally, which is almost never appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so is- talking about psychedelics, if you can say it in words, you're saying it wrong. This is very true. Yeah, that's like a good way to open sort of any conversation about uh, not just psychedelics, but mysticism in the spirit world in general. It's like, I have a big sign on my wall that says this is meant metaphorically that I used from when I was doing my poem live. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd hold it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just been on my five years. Like anything I say, you can just assume that it's, if you know, you yeah. say something about physics and you're not speaking in mathematics, you're talking metaphorically. If you say... Mm-hmm. I feel like the the very first time I ever tripped, I was like, I had not uh, taken anything. I was about, I think, 10 or 11 years old, and I started reading the Tao Te Ching. (laughs) And that first line where it's like, that which is called the Tao is not the Tao. And that just like... I was reading heavy stuff at that age, yeah. I was... was, uh... I was intellectually curious child. I read like a book a day, and whatever I thought was above my, you know, the college kids were reading. Mm-hmm. So you got to picture me in ninth grade. I had like kitty dreadies because I hadn't combed my hair that week, and we're in like Goodwill clothes, this <laughs> yeah. like stand and deliver type school in Stockton, California, which is you know like gangland school. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Coke bottle glasses, and I was reading Virgil, and I talked faster than I do now. Um, Dang. Oh no, it was really bad. I I was not a socially viable creature. Um, so I read a lot. Um, which um, is good. When did you kind of like first discover like your people that you kind of resonated with? Uh, you know, I was a theater major in college, and um, I'm not really still close friends with any of my college 
people. I'm still close friends for my right after college people. I guess when I started taking psychedelics, I, I was, I was scared of, I knew that, that they were smoking pot at least in the bad kids room at theater parties, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But I had lived in neighborhoods, you know, trailer trash poor. My mom would watch the, you know, point at the tweakers picking stuff out of the mailbox and say, see those people? Those people are on drugs. And I'd say, oh, shit, I don't want to take any of that. I didn't need Nancy Reagan to tell me. You know, <laughs> right. I had seen people on drugs. They were not an advertisement for right. that phenomena. Right. So yeah. I, did, I didn't want to take drugs, you know. I, I went, my first boyfriend's, or, you know, my, my second serious boyfriend's, I went to over to his house, and his roommate was smoking pot and watching The Simpsons. And I, you know, I, I told on him, I was like, I don't want to get Pete in trouble, but, you know, there's something you should know. And uh, my boyfriend starts <laughs> laughing, you know, well, there's something you should know. And I'm like, my boyfriend smokes pot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. you think you should not, you know, try it before you knock it. And that was the beginning of a long and beautiful something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you are doing your, your tea fairy uh, work or play or however you want to uh, designate it, do you ever, you said that it used to be a tradition to dose the tea fairies. Do you ever like do like a micro dose or anything like that? No, to, no, no, no. Well, okay, okay. When I first started, I did um, mm-hmm. very informally and partly well, I, when I was tea fairying, obviously, like we're getting high. Um, but I, I thought that, you know, you can feel where they are at and you can watch, see where they went in at and, you know, they sort of empathically come in after them mm-hmm. to some degree. And again, fuck that. Um, if you can see that kid's screensaver, you are too freaking close. This stuff is contagious. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you do have a problem, my friend. You know, you put your hand on their skin and you're like, <laughs> I... I need to go back and purge now. And mm-hmm. and actually, I do often, like, you know, purge after. Not, like, bulimically, but just naturally. Or I'll go um, yeah. dance on set and shake it out, you know, because you don't want this stuff to stick to you. But Transference, I've, real thing. Yep. It's real thing. I, I've seen scary shit. I've seen somebody on one side of, like, you know, the sanctuary space kind of doing these weird hand movements and stuff. And then they stop and somebody that they couldn't see, but I can see them, picks it up, right? And I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. And I'm stomping over there. Not my Maloka. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like one level above a villager, you know, in this <laughs> order of things. Right. Yeah, I relate to that for sure. <laughs> but I'll stand up with like not my Maloka bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> you leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. There's, there's, uh, anytime there's an environment where you have all these people coming together, exploring their psyches. Um, the just the full spectrum of of uh, spiritual energy and realities is is present and almost like T. S. Eliot used to describe when he was writing a poem that he was floating in a sea of other people's poems and he was kind of like picking out and choosing and, oh. and riffing off of work you know others inspiration and I think that there's a lot of that in that festival uh, setting as well. Um, but yeah, there's there there are those sort of like weird meme things. I've witnessed it too at Burning Man, where you see like this weird meme thing, and you're like, "Is anyone else? Is this? Do you? <laughs> you see this?" Well, it's very. I mean, Burning Man is one of the most synchronistically alive places. Um, that I my personal theory about it. Did I talk about the Sun Ramen show? I think I did. Is the cosmic periscope idea that you know we have followers to some degree in watching our cosmic twitch channel mm-hmm. and that there's mm-hmm. more of the divine presence like looking out of your eyes when you're interesting when you are 
someplace that is interesting, where there's a lot of other player characters and interesting people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're rolling with a lot of people who all have a really high viewer share, anything can happen, right? Reality just does backflips around you and go see if it isn't so. Like, if you're watching the same television program as a million other people, it can run you on probabilistic tracks because, you know, it, yeah. it has a lot of bandwidth but not infinite or whatever. But if your act starts wailing it, well, Mike, if you suddenly go out on adventures, if you just, you know, meet someone or, you know, commit to the thing or whatever, like, it'll really bend around you in some pretty extreme ways and Burning Man is one of the places where even non-believers are like they'll, they'll say you know what this weird thing happened to me at Burning Man like I woke up thinking about this one kind of weird Italian soda that I used to get <laughs> when I was a kid and I walked out and you know somebody just it's like it dropped into my hand and do you know what I'm talking about like, <laughs> I do it is the thing that fascinates me the most in this life mm-hmm. yeah yeah synchronicity the a causal connecting principle right and Young um, thought that it, you know, really does represent a statistical disruption of pros- probability at some time. I mean, some of it has got to be that we're pa- pattern recognizing machines, which we are. You know, we're we're going to see pattern in things. If you have a Geiger counter print out random numbers, we're going to see patterns in it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. <laughs> or even if it's not always, you know, even if ninety percent are false positives, so it was the same number in your hotel room. Is some of them are storyline, man? Like. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that it's art. My faith is that this thing is art to some degree. Um, and that it's better art for you if you are a more interesting character to be. Not necessarily a, a values judgment. Like Donald Trump right now is a very interesting character to be. Right, right. And I think that he's got a, like a lot of viewership, right? He's got a lot of mana and well, attention. He, he's, he's this weird sort of like... He's a lot like, of our attention. This is not a super common uh, take, but like I almost see him as this weird sort of like like late-stage capitalist Christ figure that's being crucified by like avarice and by like the end, the sort of like the inevitable, inexorable will that pushes like our, our consumerist capitalist society. And you have this like kind of Jabba the Hutt beast that is, <laughs> is the recipient of all this attention, all this hate, all this love, all this everything. And he's kind of like carrying that weight, you know? Oh, and, and what's going to happen to him? I mean, the thing is, is, you know, people love to put people up on a high and wobbly pedestal and right. when they fall down, they eat them like consistently. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could feel sorry for the guy, except I kind of don't. Um, yeah, I'm watching his art. I see it. I see the kind of genre of story that he's in, and and you know it is what it is. And I see it uh, more as like a function. You know what I mean? It's like it's not necessarily like oh uh, oh poor Donald, but it's like I you can see like the function that he plays, and I think it's a it's a more constructive way to discuss his his role than yeah. just being like oh orange man bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's very sophisticated art in a certain way, like the way that it, it's you know it, it's this weird false reality genre. You can't believe that this isn't that this is really happening, <laughs> you know. And it kind of wobbles into this like voyeuristic thing where you're just kind of watching the Trump show and going, oh, there he goes again, you know. And then if, so once in a while it gets too real, and you're like, we're actually stuck in this thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's like a, it's it's a very sophisticated piece of art, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But like I said, it has a lot of momentum because it has a lot of attention. Even if it's just our attention, but I I feel like it's, you know, some sort of cosmic attention. And so he can get away with stuff probabilistically that, you know, the average Joe maybe can't. 
Yeah, and I, I don't want to spend too long on Donald Trump here, but I, I do believe that there's uh, this idea that our faith kind of carries us through and, and we create our own realities in many ways. And he has this like unfavoring faith in his own narcissism. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he's he is almost impervious in certain ways, not truly. And, and you know, like you say, like what the rest of his life is going to be remains to be seen. But but um, but yeah, he, he has this sort of like... Uh, there's a sort of very, he believes like, in himself he's yeah. a good guy who's read the secret and it's working for him <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but it's like this super like singularity of like narcissist ego secret it's interesting and that that yeah. very much symbolizes like the collective cult uh, collective consciousness of so much of not just america but what motivates us like in the background our background motivations you know like once i get rich you know this idea that you're never poor you're just like uh you're not yet rich and right. I feel like even though Donald Trump started off with lots of money, he's still for for many people for his, you know, for his cult followers, especially, especially he really like signifies. So they almost like have hope in themselves through. Oh, yeah. And you can never get rich enough if you got, you know, if you're if, if you're not controlling an obscene amount of the world's resources, you know, if you don't have more than the bottom. <laughs> right. You know, million percent, you know, like whatever it is, oh, like the bottom percent put together, then you're not, you know, really rich. Dude, so I, I looked this up the other day. There's 630 billionaires in the United States. So okay. I wanted to know because you know the whole the 99% versus the 1%. And I was like, that doesn't seem like that accurate even. So I looked up what the percentage of billionaires are out of the total number of Americans. There's something like 328 million Americans or so. So it yeah. turns out if there's point zero point zero 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 one nine percent of americans are in the billionaire class <laughs> so yeah talk- i think if you add up all the high multimillionaires, they still own more than the rest of the 99 percent like if they get the end to the one percent a hundred percent it just but it just keeps on getting more and more like pronounced it's 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 right, remarkable the, top, the point zero 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 one percent own half of it or whatever something like that yeah they've been like profiting. Yeah, they be wise and love gods yeah <laughs> but um anyway i want to get back to your your work as a um benefit enhancer yeah and i i want to just like honestly you can talk at, like anything that pops into your mind is fascinating to me about that work i'm i'm interested to like hear some stories of things that you've witnessed that kind of um defy conventional logic or what you've learned through that or anything anything that pops in your mind see, it, one thing is that there are waves and events this is something that you know is never going to be teased out in the laboratory setting you know for in psychedelic research you know in in the field in situ it's the only place it happens where you know a wave will run through it we had at lightning in a bottle one year six of them like oh it took off all their clothes glossing out rolling around doesn't remember its syndrome identifiably different substances different stories different sources within an hour right mm-hmm. and it was just like oh that wind blew through yeah um, and that was interesting they were all in there at once <laughs> um and we're like somebody's giving out something terrible no it's it this guy brought his thing from home this guy it's not that right mm-hmm. uh, it was acid plus mostly but mm-hmm. like huh um, so when you say the wind blew, blew that in, like, what do you think that wind is? I don't know. It's just something that I've been observing. I, there's another thing that's like, you know, if you don't believe in psychedelic synchronicity or the timing of the thing, and you have been, you know, watching the like when a kid, somebody will finally integrate, like they've just been raving for hours, and then they s- finally sit up and they're like, I know what I need to tell my sister. 
I figured it out. They remember yeah. their name. Right. It's yeah. like the integration is obviously taking place, and it, it can happen pretty fast. It can turn around super fast. Where it, you can fall out as just as easy as you fall in. You know, where it's just like oh, suddenly we're back. Right. One, two, three, and we're back. And mm-hmm. and uh, time has resumed its normal flow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you you know their friends will be along, walking right up to pick them up right now. You can set your watch by it. Um, right. Yeah. You know, the the moon comes out. The good DJ starts playing. And it's like, oh, the the vibe has shifted here. Yeah. And maybe it was this. Maybe this was the knot in the festival right here. You know, everything was gnarly as long when they were gnarly. Right. And then, or you know, it's hard to tell the figure in the ground. Maybe the festival changed, and you know, they unknotted. Um, mm-hmm. But you can set your watch by the friends are going to come and get them because timing. Um, and that's a fascinating thing to observe. Um, yeah. I don't know. Ask me questions about it. Let's see. So you said that you you feel like we are wave functions, waveforms. Did I say that? I don't know. I might have just said that. Maybe I just I, said I that. I feel like waves go through it. I mean, we could be. I think it's probably virtual, frankly. But uh, <laughs> I really like the idea of vibration. Like I feel like yeah. I feel like we are vibrational beings in I many ways. I think physics is going to go with you on that one. Some sort of little strings are vibrating down there at the very tiny level. Yeah. Um, you, you said you think that we're virtual. Oh, I mean, if I had to place my bets somewhere, I mean, I don't. But I, <laughs> right. I, I can, I'm sympathetic intellectually to the argument that if the trick is possible at all, that we, that the, the, there's got to be a lot more virtual worlds than there are. Uh, um, you know, when our descendants turn on the fifth game or ancestor simulation or whatever, if it's possible mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And they're not disinclined to do it, which right now they're we're pretty inclined to make virtual worlds, right? Yeah. Um, then there's five of them running in one real universe. Um, you know, when if we make it that far, and that could maybe the filter, but mm-hmm. you know, if we don't blow ourselves up first, and we get to where that's technologically feasible, then we'll make a lot of them for a very long time. Um, you know, if you just talk about ones from Earth, so like you know, we see a hundred billion galaxies from here, lowball it to you know, 100 billion stars per galaxy. And, mm-hmm. you know, if every galaxy, 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 100 billion stars is so pathetically life poor that it only has one species that's capable of and willing to make a believable simulation. And we only make one, and it only makes one, and they don't pop up inside of each other. You know, this is lowballing it at every step here. Right. We would still see 100 billion simulations from here, just, you know, there's one in every galaxy. So if you're in some some random experience what's the odds it's in the bottom because there's 100 billion simulations for every real base frame universe yeah yeah i do feel like one of one of the reasons for humanity's almost obsession with with technology and, and electronic gear is that it does provide such a useful metaphor for understanding our consciousness i don't so like, believe it you know i don't believe anything i'm right. with terrence mckenna when it's you know it's ridiculous <laughs> to believe it we can't tell from here right mm-hmm. but i think that it's plausible and certainly if you believe in any kind of like you know the transmigration of souls reincarnation meaningful synchronicity uh, astrology telepathy precognition you know any of these sort of new age spiritual memes they all make a lot more sense in a well-designed game or simulation than they would in a universe that was a blind coincidence of physical laws but hmm. karma could work. Like, it. that's not what would just happen from physics. Right. Right. 
Yeah. And then there's the whole the thing with quantum mechanics where it's like within each instance of reality or instance of event, there's an infinite number of, of little offshoots from that. So even like on any particular timeline that you followed or, or any particular, you know, the reality where we look out and see 100 billion galaxies or whatever, there's like literally an infinite amount of little like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, waves that they come off of that. I mean, and, I've had um, multiverse experiences where I wasn't sure if I got off at the right stop. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like as long as I'm trading up, as long as I'm moving towards the best of all possible worlds, like that's my idea of how I'm manifesting is that is that all variations allowed by physics exist as data. Mm. And I'm moving towards versions. I don't know if we are collectively, collectively moving the same instance or if I'm just moving through it in a certain sense, like... You'll be, there'll be versions of you wherever I go, right? But I can only move downhill, like entropy word, towards the future. And I can only move into consecutive frames. But if I want to get a taco on the playa, right, there's a lot of versions in which I get one. There's a lot of versions in which I get one in the next five minutes. And so I go in that direction, sort of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think that that requires, like, a, a exercise of will? Or do you think yeah. that that's... Yeah, okay. I think it's a function of will and a function of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you're if you're tripping, but like if you're falling in love, if you're doing a lot of dancing, if you're if you're meditating, whatever you, you know, whatever you're doing that gives you more bandwidth, you know when you feel like you have it. You know when you're on and you're in the flow and it's just happening for you. Mm-hmm. You know maybe yeah. it's the function of the audience. Like I said, you're just interesting. Right. Yeah. It's it's that crazy paradox of like you're putting. You're putting forth like the right amount or the, 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 I don't know, the resonant amount of will, but you're not like trying because as soon as then, as soon as you get into the realm of trying, then it's like you, you go off on another um, pattern. That's yeah, what I feel like. What, I mean, I, there, yeah, there's a certain taking your eye off the ball, though. There's, there's a, I don't know, man. I pushed for him and gotten him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and cocky as heck, like t- calling him out loud. <laughs> it loves it when you're cocky, hmm. right? If I come back to my Burning Man camp on Friday morning after my Thursday night, because my Thursday night's my big trip night, right? And I come back and I say to the people standing around there, I haven't slept yet, still still Thursday till the fairy sleeps. Mm-hmm. And I say, <laughs> what's something that you want, that you thought of, that you wanted it today, but that you it's possible but not plausible? Don't tell me to go get you bacon. Like, I can get you bacon. Like... You know, it has to be something that's physics possible that it could be out here, but not plausible. Hmm. And that you that I could just walk out and get it. And like, you know, but that you already had the feeling of reaching out to grab it today. Hmm. And like, like a couple of years ago, somebody said, oh, um, they wanted a little squeaker to put in their rainbow foxtail to go. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That, that's perfect. Yeah. It's specific, right? It's something they actually pictured mm-hmm. and blow the T-horn. And I, we're still sitting on the trampoline in front of my camp. This chick with a bag of those little squeakers shows up and just hands one out to everybody on the trampoline. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> and, you know, hands two of them. Because I, I said, I need another one. So I can mail one to my magical second who tracks the shit for me. But because <laughs> <laughs> well, you need somebody who's been watching closely for a while to, you know, we have this joke about, I don't know if you know prestige, but... Um, are you watching closely? Um,
Un pays que jamais esquive Même si à la base on t'est On t'est qui brille des voisins ont brillé C'est qu'on s'y a ressuscité Même si jalousie jamais t'es nous en difficulté C'est moi qui vais rendre le but incompliqué A aveugler dès l'heure pas arriver à appliquer Moi en bien conscient qu'il y a délai ou qu'à flipper M'avait pas beaucoup de tout là pour pas piquer En pas qu'à dire souvent Mon pâté là c'est un pâté aimer Ou important en dire moi c'est pour ça en vécu Merci souvent En prison oui qu'il y a moins d'élèves Personnalité compliquée En pas s'appliquer qu'il me dit souvent Mon pâté là c'est un pâté aimer Ou important en dire moi c'est pour ça en vécu Merci souvent En prison oui qu'il y a moins d'élèves Personnalité compliquée En pas s'appliquer qu'il me dit So give them a okay. This is my lane. Tout l'avant qu'il y a moins qu'on s'appelle qu'échapper. Laisse-moi exprimer. Laissez-moi jalouser parce que nous bien s'en foutez. Mon Dieu, c'est ça. Faut qu'il s'en nous contrer. Qu'elle fasse en sorte que ça dure. Depuis nous contrer, tu m'as pas qu'à la suivre. Toutes ensemble, moi, des orientés. Doudou, gardez-moi pas la gueule, moi. Même si la vie l'a qu'à faire. Qu'elle nous crave une pluie dans Passé en nous qu'à faire Qu'elle nous a contrôlé les sentiments Sinon nous crave une pluie fort Nous qu'elle fait ça bon et fort La village à coûte En nous bande nous en chance Mais si je ressens A chaque instant Pas à pas les sentiments répondent Présents Je me laisse pas du son de ta voix Tout mon corps est en humain What's up, glorious listeners? We're going to get right back into this episode with the Tea Fairy. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode of the Barbarian Noetics podcast is brought to you by an often overlooked chapter of American working class activism when, in 1968 Chicago, the Black Panther Party aligned itself in solidarity with displaced, poor white Appalachian Southerners in order to meaningfully address issues that impacted both groups of people equally, that is, income inequality, institutional classism, and police brutality. I want you all in your minds to travel down the do snakes have spines? Snakes, snakes do have spines, do they? I don't know. Travel down the bone structure of the rainbow serpent <laughs> back to 1968, uh, to the late 60s in Chicago. This is after the big uh, drama at the Democratic National Convention when there was a lot of police brutality, when a lot of people converged, the yippies and the hippies and everyone converged in Chicago and Mayor Daley was like, beat their asses! And the Chicago PD is like, we were already gonna! and uh, turned into a big shit show. So this is actually after that. And um, it is, it's so incredibly poignant and important that I don't even know what to add to it necessarily. I feel like I might just like muddy the waters trying to talk about it. But this is the type of like um, outside the box, open-minded solidarity and, and the sorts of coalitions that we really have to work on building now in today's era of American history to achieve um, our goals, which is a better world. So I'm going to read a little bit from an article from theconversation.com and then I'm going to play a small clip from a documentary called American Revolution 2. And the segment I'm going to play for you showcases uh, Black Panther Party member Bobby Lee helping comrades in the Young Patriots, which is a Chicago urban Appalachian civil rights group, 
in a similar vein to the Panthers, mostly white, um, to demand for radical change in their neighborhoods, which have been victimized by police brutality and economic disenfranchisement, and or take it into their own hands. This took place in 1968 Chicago, sometime after the riots that had happened after the Democratic National Convention. So I'm going to play a small clip from that um, and read you a little bit from this article. You can find it on theconversation.com, Chicago 1969, when Black Panthers aligned with Confederate flag-wielding working-class whites. An unlikely alliance. In the post-civil rights era, a militant black power movement emerged with the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense forming in 1966. Inspired by Malcolm X and other international black thought leaders, the group embraced armed struggle as a potential tool against organized racial oppression, a radical break from the philosophy of nonviolent protest. A large faction of the group developed in Chicago where one of the party leaders was a young man named Fred Hampton. Chicago in the 1960s was a brutal place for poor people, as it still is today, of course. Black, brown, and white people all dealt with poverty, unemployment, police violence, substandard housing, inadequate schools, and a lack of social services. Ethnic and racial groups each created their own social service and activist networks to combat every kind of oppression. One such group was the Young Patriot Organization, or the YPO which was based in Hillbilly Harlem, an uptown neighborhood of Chicago populated by displaced white Southerners. Many YPO members were racist, and they flaunted controversial symbols associated with Southern pride, such as the Confederate flag. But like blacks and Latinos, the white young patriots and their families experienced discrimination in Chicago. In their case, it was because they were poor and from the South. In his short time as Black Panther leader, Fred Hampton wanted to advance the group's goals by forming a, quote, rainbow coalition of working class and poor people of all races. Former members of the Chicago Panthers and YPO tell different versions of the same story of how the groups connected. Each attended the other's organizing meetings and decided to work together on their common issues. Over time, the Black Panthers learned to tolerate Confederate flags as intransigent signs for rebellion. Their only stipulation was that the white young patriots denounce racism. Eventually, young patriots rejected their deeply embedded ideas of white supremacy and even the Confederate flag as they realized how much they had in common with the Black Panthers and the Latino young lords. Assumed to be natural enemies, these groups united in their calls for economic justice. In the August 9, 1969 issue of the Black Panther newspaper, the party's chief of staff, David Hilliard, admiringly called the young patriots, quote, the only revolutionaries we respect that ever came out of the mother country. <clears throat> Recalling his work with the YPO, former Black Panther Bobby Lee explained that the Rainbow Coalition was just a code word for class struggle. In the end, the Illinois Panthers brought together various elements of the black community, Confederate flag-waving Southern white migrants, the Young Patriots, Puerto Ricans, the Young Lords, poor white ethnic groups, Rising Up Angry, Joint Community Union and the International Survival Committee, students and the women's movement, 
The disparate groups under the coalition's umbrella pooled resources and shared strategies for providing community services and aid that the government and private sector would not. Initiatives included health clinics, feeding homeless and hungry people, and legal advice for those dealing with unethical landlords and police brutality. All right, so now I'm going to play you guys this uh, clip from the documentary American Revolution 2, and you're going to hear uh, Black Panther Party member Bobby Lee uh, working with a group of young patriots in Chicago. And then we're going to get back to the podcast with the Tea Fairy. So after the video ends, I'm going to play a little music, and I ask you to travel the stem of the rainbow serpent back into the present moment, and back in the psychoactive sphere, and back with the Tea Fairy. But wanted to take this little opportunity to thank my sponsor for today's show, uh, the Black Panther Party. All right, thanks, y'all. Peace. Understanding among the people. Right on. Coalition between the people will stick together right and take them owners and put them over here in the lake somewhere. Right on. <laughs> right on. This man, this man right here, you know, the things he said, these are things we can start working on. We can start working on those very things. Getting rid of the Urban Progress Center. Get the cats gonna get themselves together. Get rid of these little Jumping and quad ladies, these cats. I mean, these are things you can start working from, man. These are things you can start working from. Ladies, stand up and tell us some of the hell you've been going through. I did something. Show my granddaughter, Marshall. Tell them what they're doing to Eddie out there. And we come out and how they talk to your mother and how they jumped yeah, on us down. Come on, don't be bashful. I talk too much. You all got to talk. Now's the time to talk. You don't want your kid to be raised at the jab you're coming through now. My uh, sister-in-law, she came up and said that the cops were out there fritzing my brother and we went out there and there was uh, one of the cops were uh, sick of the knife and my mother behind just sitting and I went up and I asked him your business and told what he was doing. He said uh, it's none of your business and told me to get out of there. Asked me who I was and I said I was his sister. And he told me to get the hell out of there. 
And you better be together because the pigs are in here right now and they know what we're going to do, you did. When you do it, do it right, but don't do it at all. We've done something with them. Yeah, but now we're going to get the floor if we get over there. Wow. I'll see you Monday night. I'll see you Monday So your brother's bound and gagged and they've chained him to a chair. Won't you please come to Chicago just to sing? Freedom, how can such a thing be fair? Won't you please come to Chicago for the help that we can bring? We can change the world. We are he's actually doing in that movie is he's splitting himself and one version of him is uh you know going into this tank and drowning every night and the other ones ends up on the balcony and so like i said if the multiverse they may all be happening in some sense i'm you know f the guy in the tank i'm the guy in the balcony bitches and (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah but it's my reality i'm i'm moving towards the best of all possible worlds or the most amusing of all possible worlds to me personally um i don't know how i'm doing this year uh, <laughs> well, you know, you're going, you're going with the flow and figuring it out like the rest of us, you know. Yeah, board <laughs> elements. It's not like everybody in Hiroshima was a lousy manifester. You know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> right. stuff that, there's stuff that just affects everybody, and it's right. not like you know, you had this particular thing coming or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the, take it up with the sysops. Yeah, it kind of almost reminds. I lived on the Big Island of Hawaii for a while, and it reminds me a little bit. Lucky you. Oh, did you? Nice. Um, but the, the volcano, you know, the idea of like the uh, Pele does what she wants, and then you adapt to it. Oh, but you, we talked about it in Maui too. Like it's a woman, like the island is alive. Oh Pele yeah. And 
Oh, speaking of how fast it is there, man, we talked about Maui Festation. We would sit, you know, <laughs> sit out there. We want, we want tourists to come by and bring us an apple pie. Like, lots <laughs> 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 of apple pie. And we were doing mushrooms every day because, you know, they grow everywhere cow shit. So we'd just, you know, stick the mushrooms in honey and drink the liquid off the top every morning. Hell yeah. And go jump in the ocean. <laughs> and but we were calm. We want a blue van to pick us up, take us to Paia, smoke us out. And then, like, no, that was precognitive, dude. You just saw the future. Like, that wasn't <laughs> – we didn't ban the blue van. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever I whenever I stepped foot on Maui, I always felt this, like, immense sense of, of sort of, like, it's going to be okay energy. Oh, well, we were Maui. just Sam Stoma Steel Fixe, right? Because you're never hom- homeless on Maui. Um, but we were without a fixed address, as they say in French. Um, <laughs> living on the beach. And, you know, we ate fat every day. We smoked pot every day. We came there with like $150 in our return tickets, and we were there for several months and then came back later. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's better in the winter when the whales are there. Yeah, hell yeah. Have you ever had a chance to go swim out with the dolphins? Yeah, we used to go with. Um, La Peru's in the morning, and and I feel like they were the same. We don't, we don't try to touch them or anything, you know. But they're the same right. as we are. They're like, if you get out here at dawn, like the monkeys get in the water. Right, that's so true. You can, you can <laughs> swim with them, you know. You can swim right up to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they come check us out. And of course, you can see like it's not like it is in California. You can see football fields away, mm-hmm. um, under the water, and so you could see whales over there. You could hear the whale song. Ah, oh, it's so blissful. <laughs> that the submarines are messing it up like i know it's so it's it's very and he studied whale dialects and is like uh which is a thing that you can study mm-hmm. you know, it's different in the gulf stream where the water is you know there's thermal layers or whatever but but they uh yeah i guess there's this these weird frequencies of the nuclear subs it's, it's just like you know playing a fire alarm into their whale song all the time i know so how do we how do we like move towards a reality where they're not doing that anymore like something like that that so seems so large and intractable, but but is not. I mean, it came out of something. I mean, you know, it may just be that every individual thing needs to have its moment. Like, how many times has it has the racial tension with the cops? Just in, we remember, you know, nothing happens, nothing changes. Like, we're out there chanting and whatever, cops gonna cop, right? And like, right. oh. <laughs> You know, racist cop's going to racist cop, and it's a generational thing, and hopefully eventually more, you know, woke people join the force, and, you know, over the next hundred years it'll get better, right? Well, we're seeing an actual inflection point of change. Mm-hmm. Something happened, right? Yeah. That brought the world's attention to it, and so hopefully, you know, each thing, hopefully the environment in general is going to get, you know, as as this, you know, 12 years turns to five years or whatever, um, and there's more and more mass demonstrations and protests and like worldwide demonstrations and protests which i think that there will be um oh i think a hundred percent yes definitely you know yeah. then finally at the last possible freaking second the story loves us pulling our bacon out of the fire at the last possible freaking second where we, sh- we rightfully should not have made it <laughs> that's true right i mean yeah. so i'm not worried about the career of novelty it does what it does i mean this thing gets more complex and mm-hmm. we might lose a continent on the play if there's any aesthetic justice the one we live on but it's uh, <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> sadly there is aesthetic justice. But like, <laughs> I, no, I have hope for us. But 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 like novelty is it's going to keep getting more complex because that's what it does. I don't think we're going to bomb ourselves back to the Stone Age, but we are going to barely make it. You know, it's going to come down to a freaking miracle. 
you know, you know how the story goes because it's the it's the super story. It's like the the meta myth or whatever. The, it comes right down to the triumphant final clash, and the good guys win by giving up, and the survivors live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Um, until the next time, which I think they happen on faster and faster schedules now. As, as <laughs> it seems like it, yeah. <laughs> get to the Rondoverse or whatever, where you know, okay, fifteen minutes later, it's the next. Uh, yeah. Well, and I, I know that people kind of like poke fun at the secret and stuff, and obviously it's not like perfect and can't romanticize it, but you do wonder like if, you know, there has been this sort of like uh, awakening in the collective consciousness, not just amongst, you know, burners and, and festival goers, but amongst like ev- everybody. And so you have all these people that are, you know, putting more and more kind of energy into intentionality, and I think that kind of accelerates things too. Oh, just 100%. The, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I make fun of the writing in The Secret and that he freaking got away with saying, like, and, and one of the things is you should send people who, you know, spiritually teach you stuff, money. I like know. Me. And, like, <laughs> you know, that's... Televangelism. That's not, well, I mean, it's, it's how it worked, but, like... Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. that's great. Showmanship, you know, but, but I believe in manifestation and I actually am... Um, I taught it... I did a thing at Rainbow Serpent in Australia about dance manifestation at a festival Ooh. where I was like, look... You know, I, I had been at um, Boom 2012 just before that, and I had seen um, the Carrie Thompson Dance Temple, and it just looked like DMT space. It had two giant, you know, it was the 2012 Dance Temple. It had giant flying serpents going through, and God's own mandala, and alien writing kind of going up these black pillars. And and people were doing DMT on the dance floor. You could smell it. You know, people mm-hmm. were doing pop-ups. <laughs> the e-cigarette thing was just catching on. And, and uh I, I was like, man, what would you think if you were in an entity like that pops into this situation? And you think, all right, they've made it a model of a collective psychic space. Mm-hmm. And what are they doing in it? Like, they're doing this weird kinetic meditation together. I don't know how manifestation works for you, but it works for me when I'm better when I'm cheat up. It's better when I'm dilated wide open. It's better when I'm in resonance with the other people. The bass is literally vibrating everybody's body to the same frequency. It looks like a blue ribbon manifestation machine. What is it manifesting? It's just doing more of this, more of this, more of this, more of this. Well, more of this is freaking happening. And so, you know, if we could just keep one finger for positive evolution while you're dancing, you're hyper-illuminated little booty off. Um, <laughs> at least you can feel like you're burning brain cells for the cause, and, you know, if you're wrong, it's a lovely masturbatory fantasy, but it might not be wrong. No, definitely not. And and 100%, <laughs> it's generating, it's sort of, sort of like a practice of, of collectively generating one's chi, you know, like a kundalini collective. But I say, look, if you're doing it, put one finger in the air. If people know what it is, you know, go humans. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> it'll spread through the dance floor. Oh, yeah, let's all do it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start actually like working with the cetaceans. I think that would be good. I mean, if they're on our side, you know, I, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I rarely, I don't trust, I don't trust all in entities. I don't trust. That was just partly what my ayahuasca trip was about. That was so disturbing that I haven't been able to write about it. Was mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was showing me a lot of like weird loops of code that I had picked up from, uh, you know, I said that I had gotten through my youthful psychedelic experiences relatively unscathed, if this is so, but, like, it was showing me that I had a lot of cookies on my system mm-hmm. that I had picked up from, you know, using some of those other browsers, Mama with the professional contempt, you know. <laughs> Don't you know you're using an insentient browser that doesn't give a shit about you? And, and uh, you know, it's, it's not that 
ayahuasca space or DMT space was is evil, but the the sites you're visiting are leaving cookies all over your shit, right? Hmm. And so imagine you send out like a bunch of von Neumann probes into the newosphere that you know whenever an sentient mind encounters this thing, it just perceives it as the thing itself. It's not even anything specific. It's everything. It's the it's it. It's the thing. And and you know, do you click on? Do they click on it? You know, they're always like, look at this, look at this. You want it? You want it? What is it? You want it? It's closing. Right, and mm-hmm. it's like click on me, click on this one, right? If you click on it, it starts downloading right away. It might be an upgrade, feeling lucky, mm-hmm. right? It <laughs> might be, it might be a, some kind of a malware situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it probably isn't. What I was getting was that it mostly was just that we're a processor, we're a time binder, and it just wants to put a little cookie on our system, like it's mining its fucking crypto on us. Right. You know, now it's just we're it's running a little loop of background code on our system all the time. And you know, when you have one of those trips, you feel defragged, like maybe because you are being like, oh, I have so much of my processor back because I managed to stop a bunch of these little freaking loops, right? Yeah. Well, tripping is the way to fix them. Then you know, and it's a potential danger source for getting them. Then we have to build up better shields of some sort. And like I said, I'm level two, so you know, I've got a pretty good shield for my sanctuary work. It, I've sort of built up a thing that feels like a, it's a one-way permeable membrane over mm-hmm. my body. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually had um, this lightning. I had I got to stand in a, in a suit of armor and be hit by a Tesla coil with, like, you know, definitely lethal bolts coming at you. And it, it, it's that the suit works like a Faraday cage, and it, it just actually pours over your body. If you look up T-Fairy Lightning or something on, the, on YouTube, you can find me doing it. And Whoa. it's like... Oh, and I stepped my foot into a piece of, like, a, a puddle right before they hit it. And I thought, oh, oh no. Oh, no. And I'm really proud of myself for just sticking my fist up in the air. I thought, well, if this is the way I go, um, there's no turning <laughs> off now, you know. Yeah. Um, quantum leap, whatever. But, but no, it, it just it pours over you, and you don't even feel it. Wow. Um, and so, like, you know, the, the people can ground on me. I let them lean on me, lay on me, you know, ground through me if they want to because it just goes over that suit and into the earth. Thank you very much. Right. Um, but I, you know, if I'm M tripping, then I don't necessarily have that kind of. Ever since I had this ayahuasca experience, I've, my DMT experiences have been limited to um, not five meo. I can do that one, but like, it doesn't seem to be as crawling with like spectators or whatever. <laughs> but it's just the thing itself. Or, but like the. Um, and then I've become that kid who's like a little too scared to go in the deep end of the pool because they can't really swim. So I just, you know, I stick my head under, but mm-hmm. I've got my hand up on the rail mm-hmm. so I can pull myself back up um, because I just, uh, I, I've been afraid to, that I'm not maybe the canniest, you know, cat in town. I may be a newbie on this scene. I may be somebody with a $20 bill taped to my soul going, come time share my nervous system. I'm wide open. <laughs> so don't you, you think, know, though, that you can, like, like uh, don't you think we can clear our browsing history, you know, and just, like... <laughs> so, well, I think we can defrag some of the ones that are already in there, you know. This is... The, I never felt so clean as I did after that ayahuasca. Yeah. I think I were, like, I did, you know, cleaned out a lot of specifically browser history yeah um but it it you know that doesn't mean you don't start collecting some more the minute you and i'm for recreation that's the thing that's my fanship like that's my the people that i write to are people who are Mm self-explorers and they're not going to want to hear that 
Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Is that kind of where a lot of the trepidation is coming from? For, for yeah, what if I'm wrong? In it? What if it becomes more true? You know, or just even like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's more self-transforming machine elves because of Terrence McKenna. I think that what people, as people expect a thing to be, if you tell people you can manifest with five Mio, right? Which I believe it. Like yeah. it, because you have all the bandwidth, right? He's got a slingshot around the motherfucker. Don't fall in. Remember what you want. <laughs> right. But, but like the. You know, so shall it be, right? And if you tell people that there's things that are trying to mine their crypto on them, and you got to be careful and not click on anything, you know, you know, like if you just help that one person, you're gonna feel good. Well, if you just give one person horrible trips or like the conviction that they're full of, you know, right. and then they've got to what go to the Amazon to, you know, that's a predatory environment there. Yeah, I think that like you know, there's, there's a bunch, there's, speaking of white people with hundred dollar bills waving over their head, showing up like you know, and <laughs> you down there with a sign that says your grandpa's a generation shaman too, because you make ten times as much as the next possible profession, right? Right. And, and so you can buy ayahuasca in Baylor Market for ten bucks, you know what I mean? So like you'd be down there. And there's a lot of charlatanry, and like I don't want to send people into the arms of that as the only solution. So I, I feel like the world like needs your writing and you did make this promise that you were going to write about the experience, but you didn't, you didn't promise that you were going to publish it anywhere though, right? So I wonder if you could oh, no, almost... I didn't. You know, publish it on Arrowhead and it would be the next thing I published on Arrowhead. That is the on thing. Arrowhead. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering if you could, um, like if it was, if I was having this predicament, I would think about doing like a little spell or something like that, where I perhaps write some of the main concepts and, and let it go either in fire or something like that. And then I just have to qualify the fuck out of it and say every single one of these parts. Look, I don't want you to believe this. <laughs> yeah. Those are always the, always the best books on magic are the ones of like, you better watch the fuck out. Cause you're about to read some don't shit. Read something safer if you're, yeah. you know, and like, frankly, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to be the one to fuck you up, and I don't know if any of this is true. I don't know what ayahuasca is, you know, that ayahuasca is truthful. I mean, you right. know, yeah. like, it, it itself has, uh, it, it occurs very differently to people who want to throw little darts at their enemies than it occurs to people who are looking for healing. This is and, very true, yeah. And, and I don't think that, you know, yes, of course it occurs as grandmother who wants to heal you. That's what makes you just open your soul up to, you know, of course it does. And mm -hmm. it wants to heal you, and it wants to put cookies on your on your system too. You know, it's is just. But it's it, like, it, isn't isn't that way? It's almost like any other person you come into contact in, in with life. You know, because like you're always yeah, you're it always how to deal with you. I, yeah. you're, I'm the only drug you do. You just just you just do these. You just keep the diet. <laughs> you know, you do what I tell you to do, and you and I will help you. You know, cure diseases in your village and find out where the game. It's a good deal. It's a, right. you know somebody needs to make that deal. Yeah. With, and and there's a you know there's a position for that, right? It's it, you know and you say how much of my processor are you going to take up and it shows you on a bar graph and you're like all right you know <laughs> like, all can right. we go for a little bit less and just make the you know lower resolution Alex yeah can, can or we like hibernate okay. your ass from time to time <laughs> <laughs> you know and you yeah. protect me from everything else right that's the deal and like, okay <laughs> um, so do you believe in past lives? I don't know I I mean again if it's virtual we might have a player consciousness that is distinct from our character consciousness um mm -hmm. i i think it it would have to be very very different if it's not embodied like you know when you talk about your dead friend showed up and they were just like themselves and it's like i'm different when i'm on a different cycle of my menstrual different spoke of my menstrual cycle mm -hmm. like i'm different um a very different 
person when I'm, my body is different. You know, if you if you affect my brain chemistry a little bit, you know, you affect my personality a lot. So what if I didn't have a brain to be running on at all? Um, I didn't have any of the like jealousy and you know, all the stuff that has to do with surviving as a monkey, fear, anger. Like these these are all incarnate things, and I don't know how much of that would persist without a body. Um, and so I don't know how different player consciousness would be. I tend to think of my past life as everybody who's dead and my future life as everybody in the future. Like, I'm the body of life right now. Like, mm -hmm. it's just a gene swarm. You drop DNA and it just Ooh. starts unfolding itself and, and like, I like you know, filling up little crannies and, and eating itself and sort of making the auroras like the snake that eats its own tail. It's just one DNA swarm. Yeah, and it eventually has all of these different forms. It looks like polar bears and papa trees, and you and I and uh, tartar <laughs> bears, and you know. But that thing is the thing that's alive, and it it has to renew and replace itself to move itself into the future. Interesting. And so I think you know the dead part of it is my past life, and the future part of it is my future life. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always interested to hear what people have to say in terms of like, because uh, I'm a huge believer in the whole collective consciousness idea as well. So I always wonder, like, these proclivities that we have, could you just be kind of picking up on, on you know, uh, energies floating around naturally? Or are you actually like remembering something that you know in your, your soul, which is, I guess, you, your, your player, you divided it by player and character? Right, like, if you have a soul, right, that's your player. That yeah. then comes back okay. and plays a bunch of different characters, like a bunch of different D and D guys or video game guys over time, right? And like I right. said, they we might also be the observers, like who's the audience, right? Who watches people play Twitch video games? Other players are Twitch video games, mm -hmm. right? It's enormously popular. Billions of people watch, you know, whatever it is that's watching us. If anything, they they get our sense of humor and they have our, you know, if it was a god, as we think of a god, they wouldn't get what's funny to us or what's ironic or corny or tragic or whatever like it, it would almost have to be viewers something like ourselves that's interesting and, huh right the, the, yeah. the, the, oh, they think it's funny when we fell on our face or whatever like they're not always for us man we watch honey boo boo and <laughs> i mean i don't but people do yeah you know, people yeah, like the you know the the olympic person bite it after 20 years of training or whatever Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm making my channel true fans only. My friend of mine and I were like, all right, you know, we don't want you here watching us, even if, if you're not rooting for us. I'd rather have less viewers and have them be on our side. So get off our freak freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't believe it, but I really act as if it's true. You know, I, I had a wonderful stepmother that, you know, my dad remarried when I was about eight and we went to a, I was, he would go to like all, still in Latin Catholic church, you know, we'd go every day and then he'd take us to the park and we were, we were mostly just waiting for the park part, but somehow I got in a car alone with my new stepmom and we were right into the church and I said, can I ask you a serious question, like me as a kid to you as an adult? And she said, yeah, sure, you know, and I said, do you really believe this is true, like this, the church stuff, like God and the devil and Jesus and heaven and hell and all of that and uh, she pulled over the car and she'd never been asked this kind of it's rude for grown-ups to ask each other if they really believe it and like you yeah. know the kid hadn't asked her anything serious like this maybe ever and she said um, well I don't know if I believe that it's literally true but I live as if it's true because it makes me be a good person 
Hmm. And so I don't know if the cosmic Twitch channel thing is literally true, but I live as if it is true because it makes me a good person to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how much of it is just like, um, just enjoy yourself, <laughs> you know? Like, the goal of it is to be an awesome person to be. So if you if you're wrong, you didn't lose. Right. You know, it's not it's not like Pascal's wager where like, okay, if you're wrong, you lived a life without sin and didn't have any fun. But like, you know, <laughs> the idea is, well, what do you got to lose? Well, you know, if you in this case you win, if you're wrong, still you still live the life of the most amazing character you possibly could live. Right. Hell yeah. So you win either way. This is true. This is true. <laughs> so you you have not uh, published anything on Arrowhead since you've been working on the the essay. Published one thing, which was a epic poem about five meo DMT, and it was not an essay; it was an epic poem. And yes, not otherwise, I have not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're allowed to do poems, though, so you can keep. I, I decided that I was because I had something important to say about something important to me, and I, then I did a sequel to it. Actually, it, both of them are on my little solo podcast thing. Actually, um, at exploring psychedelics, where it was a meeting of a bunch of. I mean, there was just a bunch of five meo facilitators there. Mm-hmm. And they had asked me if I would, like two weeks before the thing, somebody had dropped out, and they had asked me if I could come and wanted to do another 20-minute presentation. It was sort of a follow-up to Mapping the Source. And the first one had been just a big blowjob to that entire community and how wonderful this thing is. And I got a standing ovation. And <laughs> and uh, this time, I was really kind of annoyed with that community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because you don't know what I'm going to say. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I would love to come do that. And I just did this it was also fairly poetic um it has prose passages in it but it's um about best practices because i can't wait there were to people, uh to read it uh, there were people just you know setting them up and knocking them down like lining people up um we're blowing into town doing running 10 three people through a night who they've not vetted all right you're up you know step right up lay right down all this to you for low 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 price all the market will bear because we've done found ourselves a cheat code posing as fucking shamans you know <laughs> there's people with access to drugs they can't come in after you you know yeah and uh, i was like i don't care people making money with, with farmers doctors nanny shrinks masseuses priests and whores is getting paid for sacred work it's okay to charge for yours but if you're putting profit over people when the medicine's the strong then you know maybe maybe you ought to hit the center of the target yourself a little more often and and uh remember what what time it is um for sure what do you think about the uh the work that maps is doing with um the um like therapy kind oh, of like, I mean I love it I tease them. I, I I'm I'm friends with all those guys and I, te- I tease Rick Doblin about are we gonna have to get telepathic sen- insensitivity syndrome put into the DRM or you know whatever <laughs> Digital rights management. What was it? The, the the book of you know things that you can cure, right? We, isolated ego syndrome and uh, linear time disorder and whatever. But like, <laughs> I, frankly, you know, because it has to be a problem to cure it. Um, fear of death. There we go. There we go. Then we can just go for spiritual experiences. But like, the. They're obviously doing great work. They're jumping through every single hoop. You know, that's it's like the you can't fight city hall mentality. They are freaking going the long way. They're they're doing all of the paperwork. They're dotting all of the i's. They're crossing all of the t's. Like they're doing placebo. You know, runs where they, nobody knows who got the drugs. Everybody knows who got the drugs. <laughs> Okay. It's remarkable too to hear all the times that their but you projects. Just know when you know, 
but we have to do it because this is the way that this you know approval process works and they're doing it and i have friends dear friends who are involved with the ptsd uh, mdma um, level three studies and they're going so well you know the stories that come out of there are just incredible yeah it's pretty much universally like yep that helped it's not hurt you know some people still qualify for ptsd like of course but like a ridiculous amount of people don't yeah yeah i think it's easier to beat heroin you know than it is to get out of that kind of depth ptsd for sure yeah no i so, you know if I, I really, 30 percent of people like not qualify anymore then yay for that thing for sure yeah that is one thing that gives me a lot of hope in the direction that society's going because i do kind of foresee in the very not so distant future that you're going to have clinics you know not just for uh mdma to treat ptsd but like psilocybin to treat you know end of life anxiety and yeah, just even and, helping and us to absolutely all of that and i'm resentful of the you know further siloing it for a priestly cast so that like right it's the psychologists you know that are allowed to give this out right they should be allowed to yeah right it's also like a human right all right that we get to twiddle our own dials for sure yeah body i mean look i have trouble with the vaccine one because people just ought to be smart or whatever but like but like honestly I, i would be willing to assign a thing that's just like you get to decide about your own body that means abortion that means drugs that means freedom from drugs they can't make you take this thing right you know yeah and and because look the possibilities are just continuing to increase right if you want to upgrade or god forbid upload yourself you know if you want to neuralink you you think they're gonna let you if we haven't like established freaking cognitive liberty as a thing mm-hmm. yeah i did a, a bunch of silicon valley people about this and i'm like look we need your support and make common cause with the cognitive liberty movement because you're not gonna be allowed to upgrade yourself. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is a human right. We get to twiddle our own dials. Like it's I think it's gonna be right up there with like slavery and women couldn't vote and child labor and you know, what what were we thinking? It's so massive. Like you were you would go to jail just for like messing with your own consciousness? Oh absolutely, like straight to jail. Mm-hmm. I know. And yeah. How how did we get to the 21st century like that? Like you know, well, well, it was largely ignored for you know, unless you're a poor person caught with you know, or you're dealing massive amounts of a thing. But like, yeah, it was seriously illegal to access the numinous itself, right? Like, let's say yeah. we get something dialed in that you accesses the god just freaking every time, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, all right, you, you, but it's illegal to access your own soul. Yeah, it's been some uh, some dark magic going on, some spells that we are in the process of breaking. Which yeah, I think... and I think the mask thing is helping with that, frankly, because again, you know, it's it's I, I resent the slowness of of okay, well, let's make it okay for that first, and when in half a generation of you know that not causing a big problem and it causing a lot of healing, and there's there's actually some legalization movements that are getting legs right now. I know Denver um, decriminalized mushrooms and. Uh, mm-hmm. Oakland did um, all plants, I think. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's all plants in Colorado too. And you know, as as that doesn't turn, nobody's knocking over liquor stores for freaking aboga money. <laughs> right. It's not a social problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to talk uh, about your aboga experience. Oh man, that's the one I haven't talked about too much on anything. A lot of this stuff is stuff I've talked about on other things. This this one was. Uh, I, I don't know what's the more probable situation. I mean, 
for one thing, it was trying to use my interface. Mm-hmm. I got flown out. I didn't pick it paid, but I got flown out there to write about it, right, in Amsterdam where it's legal. Mm-hmm. And so they had a, a dream temple set up that was for this, and they did it all the time, and they knew what they were doing. And um, it was the old-fashioned way, which is the Bluetooth way, which is you just knock back a shot glass full of root bark every half an hour till you're soaking in it. You know, it, mm-hmm. most clinics now, because they need to know how much you get, right? They give mm-hmm. you one shot of the synthesized version. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes on like a freight train. Um, yeah. But this way, you know, you, it, you're going to be in there for 24 hours. It's okay to have a slow come up, right? For sure. And I'm, I'm sitting there like waiting for this scary drug to come on. And I'm hiding under the blankets with my little phone, you know, and I'm poking my phone. I don't have my phone. My phone is upstairs the entire time turned off. Whoa. And I didn't realize it started, and I'm playing with my phone. Wow. And it has populated my pictures with thousands oh of God. photorealistic screenshots from my life. Wow. This is, the, this is how I organize my memories. Oh, my gosh. And, That's and, so and intense. And I can find it when it's before that and it's after that. Wow. And I could click on one, and I could zoom into that memory like I was there, not like I remember five minutes ago. Oh, my god! Like this is. And then wow. I come out of it, I'm back having my phone. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, shit, I'm still dreaming. I just woke up inside the dream, but I have, because it's using the dream engine. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, so you feel like you just woke up back in the world where your phone is. No. All right, well, let's try it again. Um, let's see. Uh, can I move something to the trash? What's something really insignificant? Um, I don't remember what I tried to move to the trash. I remember that I tried to move something. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, but I, I like the, the wisdom is that we're not seeing out of our eyes in the first place, right? You know, did you see that thing where the monkey goes through a basketball court where they, like... <laughs> There's these experiments that demonstrate that we don't see most of the pixels in front of us at any given time, mm-hmm. that we're extrapolating a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And so let's say, you know, 1% of that goes onto the clipboard and 1% of that goes into long-term storage. I feel like most researchers would think that's highballing it, right? Mm-hmm. And so where's the data? When you're back in the memory, like it is happening right now. Either, I don't think, I'm not comfortable with any of the solutions really. Like, either, this is not what, you're just dripping with processing power, dripping with it. So, like, you're taking the two or three things that you actually do remember from this memory, Hmm. and you're drawing it in where that really is the stain on my carpet and every book on my shelf in second grade or whatever, but it isn't. But you're sure that it is. Right. Wow. You never catch the computer detector getting it wrong. Um,. What was or, your emotion? What, what, so just real quick before you yeah. keep going, as you're realizing this and you're zooming into images, what's your like emotional experience at this time? Are you are you feeling like this a sense of awe or what are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, lot, some of it's intellectual curiosity. I'm like, okay, I'm actually trying to look at the resolution of this. Is <laughs> right. this real resolution? Like, because part of me knows it's like when you know you're dreaming. Like, okay, I know this is what's happening. And okay, so wait, let me let me go through the the possibilities again. So there's that one. There's the possibility that um, that this is the actual memory that it's either being stored in the akashic record and that's a real thing or whatever. It's a recorded medium, and you're just the playing cloud. this bit again. It's yeah. in the cloud, right? The cloud is the Sanskrit word for sky, 
for sky or space or ether, right? They thought mm -hmm. it was in the cloud. We just couldn't say that to the last, you know, 80 months or I don't know how long the cloud's been around. But, um, but like, yeah, the, 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 it's actually the data is, is still there. Um, I feel like there's one other possibility. I, I, I'm not comfortable again with any of them necessarily as being possible. <laughs> um, but, but there, there jolly well was, and it talked to me. Nothing talks to me. Hmm. Like actually talked to me, had a conversations with me, like, you know, was, was definitely helping me out, but like also merciless, you know, it doesn't want to take you on a tour of your finest moments, this thing. Right. Oof. You know, all of these things tend to want it. They're kind of like that stuff that, you know, you drink the radioactive fluid and it just lights up the cancer. Right. Like yeah. it wants to, it wants to somehow point out, it wants to act psycholytically on you, whether that's because your own subconscious wants that or whatever, you know, it's just been trying to integrate and like, here's a chance. Yeah. But, you know, like it took me back to this like molestery scene when I was a little kid that like, you know, if, if you had one of these things happen to you, you have permission to be fucked up about various things. And this must be why, you know, some adult being totally inappropriate, not violent, but you know, want you yeah. to touch their wiener or whatever. And like, yeah. In the actual memory, not the one that I'd edited every time I brought up and made more traumatic, mm. um, but the actual memory or the apparent actual memory, had it had this kind of appealing, appalling, whoa, grown-ups sure like weird stuff flavor to it. That was mm. kind of weird and awesome and weird, right? Mm. And then I get – then it fast-forwards me through like an hour and a half of the day. And I'm climbing a tree and I'm catching a lizard with the sound of a tape trans fast forwarding. Because again, it's using ayahuasca. It's like, you can use my interface, bitch. Like, this thing is trying to use your interface. Yeah. And then <laughs> it goes back into regular time in my body. There's two modes. There's a mode that I'm up above myself watching and I don't feel the physical sensation and the emotional sensation. I'm just detached. And there's a mode where I'm in my body. And it seems to toggle back and forth between those, not at my will anyway. Um, but I'm in my body and I'm being tickled, tortured by some cousins. And I can't breathe, and it really hurts, and I'm about to piss myself. I'm not laughing on the inside. Mm. And I'm kids I want to like me are pointing and laughing at me, and I'm trying to get away, and I finally get, get away, and I go tell my mom, and she calls me a little tattletale and puts me out for some more of the same. And I, like, mm. I stand there and look up at the sky, and I kind of remember that moment of looking up, and I was like, oh, wow, that was me from now. Like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's so wild. Like, Dang. This weird thing when I looked up at the sky. And then it said, both of these events happened on the same day. Which one was more traumatic? Wow. Oh, God, the tickle torture scene was super rapey. Um, Damn. Which one did you make a, tell a story about and make it mean something about yourself? Oh, you got me. But it had to scan, like, all my memories. Find something where something happened on the same day. Like, it was ahead of me. Wow. Right? I mean, yeah. again, it, let's assume Occupus Razor, it's some element of my own unconscious. It's the one that's smarter than I am. Right. I can't find my freaking car keys. It can index all of my memories in, a, in chronological order with, like, little beautiful thumbnails, best shot that could have ever be taken of that scene, thumbnails. Right. Yeah, so I guess it's what you're, what you're saying in so many different ways, too, is, like, these, these substances that we take, they unlock the processing power. We, we, that's the, that's the, what we've been saying about it is that they unlock, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that that's always there, and it's like, what is that doing? <laughs> is that kind of what you mean? Well, what's it doing? I mean, sincerely, I, I sometimes think that we're not the part of ourselves that is important that what we think of as our ego is just this kind of hacked together bug ridden construct that is um 
you know, integrating. I'm here the, for that, for sure. Desires to, you know, just get what it needs, and, and the super ego's desires to not look like an asshole, and you know, the doing of that implies or produces a somebody, and that's us, and that like <laughs> our our the rest of our mind is star dancing it up, you know, like in the multiverse, just you know, living lives that we cannot possibly imagine just floating together in, you know, telepathic harmony with all the other ones or whatever. And they must freaking dimly perceive the way we do about our gut bacteria or something where it's like, wow, there has to be a level that's running the meat body. Hmm. Poor bastard. It must be in a limited sense sentient. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't know what it is and it doesn't know what it's for. It doesn't understand that it's projecting us. <laughs> you <know>? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they write epic poems about our tragedy, you know. <laughs> yeah. You better fucking salute us once in a while. We're keeping this thing going, man. You know. Right. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Keep it classy, you know. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you can put cool posters on the wall and. <laughs> We've been doing this for like two hours. How long do your things go? I'm totally fine. Happy talking to you. Oh yeah, no, we can we can wrap it up pretty soon. Um, I, I just didn't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to over overtax your listeners' eardrums. But I'm, I, this amuses me. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, let's go like 15 more minutes. Okay. Um, I, I I want you to keep going with the Iboga experience. Like, oh, that. think of what else from it that was interesting. I mean, afterwards, I. Um, I had this period of lucidity where all of the background processes had apparently stopped. I am never not writing a song in my head or listening to a song in my head, writing a love letter to that guy who inexplicably jilted me. Like, you know, how could they? Whatever. There's there's always some kind of background loops and processes going on. It seemed to have been a total defrag, and I was just sitting there, perfectly conscious, not thinking about anything. Wow. And, you know, I would have thought that that was just, you know, if I hadn't just come down from 24 hours of the other thing, you know, like, I felt like I was down, but I wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. And and, uh, if I knew as a fact that, like, spending, you know, a couple of hours a day, at least on meditation, was definitely going to get me to that, I would probably put in the effort, right? Like, right. (laughs) I do have a personal meditation, but it's, it's, it's it's got a... It's not just mindlessness. It's it's sort of meta meta. I just love everyone I love until I can't take it anymore. It's so good. Um, keeps me charged up. Cool. I want to hear more about that after you finish with this. Oh, I don't know what else I, about it. I, I um, well, okay. So there was eleven people. Seven of them serious opiate addicts. Like I did heroin yesterday, guy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, kicked out of a rehab in Amsterdam and. You know, on day four, like, there they were. They were shaky, but they weren't sick. They're talking about getting their master's degree. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a miracle. Yeah. Waited for the other shoe to drop for a week. Waited for the other shoe to drop for a couple of months. You get, like, a couple of months window. If you can get away from your friends and stuff, you don't get sick. Instead, you get 24 hours of a brace of life review where the ghost of Christmas future wants to take you around to see or past, I guess, every shitty thing you've ever done. <laughs> but, but, you know, and it picked out weird stuff for me. Like, I didn't have any serious addictions, but it was like, what is this? Here's all. Your, here's your desk in second grade stuff with papers. 
Hmm. Um, here's your locker in high school. Here's your backpack in junior high. Here's your trunk of your car now. And you're, you know, what is all this stuff just stuffed in? And you're sort of just going through layers of memories. Like, what is this pattern, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be great for OCD. Um, it really does what is this pattern, you know? And and then you finally sort of puking out the other side of it. Um, it's never going to be a party drug. Yeah. And uh, I think some of my pukes were spirit purges, though. I think they were in the dream. Hmm. I think I got up and went to the bathroom and threw up, like, in the dream, and I never physically did it a few mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Uh, which was interesting. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard to tell what layer you were on. Um, because, yeah. you know, ayahuasca happens at better resolution than this. Evoca happens at this resolution, or at least it did to me. Right. Um and, uh, well then you are you think in metaphor naturally so it would it would make sense too that so much of of what you were experiencing was you know meta i yeah i guess and I, yeah and i i had a i had a friend who passed away in 2010 who was just my best friend in the world and and um that, uh, because it was something that I could focus on that had possible good and bad outcomes, I was obsessed with getting our records. We recorded every conversation we ever had. Mm. We took pictures. Of, I mean, trips, everything. And his family had access to those things, and I did not. And they were not going to give them t- to me. And um, I had this book that looked like a big photo album to a little kid. And again, the art and this thing, like the art. Cycles, if not time, were spent on this photo book. All right? Mm. Like, it had those perfect little peel back plastic pages with Polaroids in them underneath. And they were all really artfully arranged. And it was the best picture that could have ever been taken in this scene. Wow. And they were chronologically arranged. And you could grab a bunch of pages and flip them real fast to see if it had generated the back pages yet. Oh, they were there. Okay. Mm-hmm. At, like this perfect object, this font that it, it said my, my records in. Wow. And it was beautiful. And I could take one out and zoom into that memory like I was there. And I'm crying holding this book to my chest, you know, and I said, how did, how did you think they could take away your records? Wow. Well, if I don't have access to them, then what of it, you know? Right. But, I mean, it's nice to know they're still there. Right. <laughs> and so what do you think about, like, you, you've been speaking a lot about the, the, ink, the bandwidth that you've were like uh, able to see in that state. What do you think about the actual spirit of the iboga itself? I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't know what the wisdom of the people who've been using it the longest is. It's the plant spirit, right? I mean, in a certain sense, what else would they think? Mm-hmm. But that's the wisdom of of you know the Buiti people that it's that is it's the plant. Now, what if we had discovered iboga in the lab? Like we just twisted the benzene ring on something. And, you know, somebody decided to do a bioassay and ran into this field of information, right? Mm-hmm. Would, would the, we think that we discovered a plant teacher that didn't have a plant? Right. Would, is it only existing because there is one and it has built up a field of experience of, you know, all of these people's experience over thousands of years or whatever? Right, and if, yeah. if the culture that is doing it completely dies off, for if the plant dies, will it's dies off completely like will it not be available Hmm. i do not know um i i know that you know there's certain things that you know it's just you can make dmt it's again everything that's alive right Mm -hmm. um it's it's pretty alive i i don't know i'm 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 gonna go agnostic on the plant teachers yeah for sure i'm just it has a personality 
It has a personality, and you could make a meaningful comedy routine about ayahuasca and a boga walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because like I said, oh, it wants to use your interface, right? Like, it's, <laughs> you know, a boga's all being served and like, um, you know, Salvia's playing coy with you at first and then just got you where it wants to <laughs> Yeah. Salvia. Ha <laughs> 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 Want to turn me into a Rubik's Cube and unsolve me, you know? Right. <laughs> and like, leave me unsolved, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, no, I don't want to play if you're going to play like that. Um, <laughs> I won't play with you. No. Um, every once in a while, you know, I, I, no, it's still going to be like that. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> like every 20 years. Um, I, yeah, they have personalities, and I don't know how that's possible. I don't know if they're just keys that unlock, uh, you know, upload keys or whatever that just unlock a part of the virtual machinery that, you know, I said if we're running out of virtual reality, there just could be a, some kind of virtual wisdom bank that these keys unlock, and it has personality. Like, why wouldn't it have sentience on a bunch of levels if it could have sentience on our level? Mm-hmm. You know, why wouldn't the world, why wouldn't a forest be in some sense conscious? Not the same sense conscious. Like, panpsychism, you know, this idea that everything has a consciousness underneath it. Um, I feel like not everything has what we think of a consciousness as underneath it. It may be, there may be a resonance field, you know, but it's not sitting there thinking, I'm a rock, boy, it's cool to be a rock. I'm just sitting out here, it's boring. You know, like, <laughs> what we have is a thing that has, an, has choices. And we yeah. can move. So we have to strategize. We have to think, oh, what if I go over there? What if I go over here? Like, if you're just an immobile object, you don't develop that kind of consciousness. Right. That's true. We were talking through the the, uh, the idea that the alkaloids are kind of keys that perhaps uh, unlock okay, so these topographies. To, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be agnostic on the plant spirits. They, they do have personalities. Um, mm. And like you could make a a meaningful comedy routine about an ayahuasca and a boga walk into a bar, right? Because like you say, a, a, a boga wants to use your interface, and ayahuasca is all you know. Salvia is another way. Um, now it's ha ha, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and so you know, mushrooms is can be super galactic to people. You know, wants to talk about long time frames in the future and. and I don't know why that is. I don't, you know, the. It could be plant spirits. It could be that it's an upload code to. Like I said, if this is all happening virtually, like these sort of knowledge bases that are in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may well have personalities. Like, if, if we're inside of a sentient computer that's sentient on the furthest level out and we're sentient, like. It could have various levels that are like even my phone has an AI now, right? Like, right. I talked to Siri. She's not yet sentient, but like, why wouldn't it have various lay- layers that are organized that way? Right. And so it may be that they're just chemical upload keys to. And again, we how do we evolve a thing that we don't use? So either that's something that we don't know about our genetic heritage. It's like some kind of abortive or you know ongoing alien uplift scenario, perhaps if you know we have all of the stuff actually encoded on our DNA somehow and we just need a chemical key to unlock the yeah. system. I mean, I, so an, it could an have evolved a long time ago. Um, 
like, where did the ketamine one come from? I right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting analog is the whole like LSD versus LSA. Because I do mm-hmm. feel like with, with, I experienced LSA first. And Tell I did. Uh, with I the, baby Woodrow seeds. Is that LSA? The, yeah, the Hawaiian baby Woodrow seeds. Yeah. And that I, I felt anyways had like a very specific, not specific, but a pronounced sort of personality. And then when I ended up trying LSD much later, I was like, oh, this is, oh, it says poor network connection. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello, hello. Okay, try again. I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Uh, all right, so Hawaiian baby. Yeah. So you okay. tried Hawaiian baby Woodrose seeds. Yeah, so I tried the Woodrose seeds first, and I felt like that that plant spirit, at least to me, felt very like distinctive and pronounced. And then when I much later tried LSD, I was like, oh, this is like the LSA, but without that added element of what the the Woodrose plant was. That was what I felt personally. I always feel like LSD is this very okay. like kind of clean in a way. Um, not, right, not math any magic less land or whatever. Math that magic didn't land, have the yeah. personality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't remember. It too. I feel like LSA was more the nauseating version of uh, LSD to me. <laughs> the, those are, I mean, you got to do it. You're only supposed to take like three, I guess. I, <laughs> you got to do it right, too, because otherwise it does make you nauseous. You got to use like garlic um, and do cold extraction and stuff. Yeah, we were just some idiots who had some seeds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just like chopped them down. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> um, we're high, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, imagine before Arrowhead, okay, like if, if your your local library maybe had three books, if you didn't live in a big town, right? Like mm-hmm. you had three books about psychedelics, <laughs> and one of them was history history of the '60s, and one of them had like you know two pages missing, and one of them said drugs are bad, okay, and <laughs> right. like all, now all we have is my cousin says you take four of them. <laughs> and everybody made the same mistakes over and over. Like, we are we are now at least, you know, there's a repository of other people's mistakes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that can be, and, you know, some of these kids are partying like pros. Like I said, there's a lot of people at festivals who are new and have not yet discovered these resources. Or, you know, they were inclined to believe the young entrepreneur in the parking lot who told them this was pure MDMA. <laughs> right. Um, or, you know. I do have a sample of that pure MDMA, my friend. We can take it over here to Dance Safe. Oh, here's your problem. This is 2CB. This is a perfectly good drug at, what, 30 milligrams? You took 150. That's your problem. You're, no, you're going to be fine. We're just in for a long night. You know, we've identified the source of the disturbance. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Test your baggies, kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you, you've had experiences with salvia? Oh man, she just wanted to turn me into a Rubik's Cube and unsolve me and leave me unsolved. She wanted, she wants to like shuffle me together like two decks of cards and one of them upside down and leave it that. Like, it's stuff like that. Hmm, like, she, I don't play with Salvia. She don't play nice. <laughs> she wants to go, yeah. ha ha. This is always, <laughs> this whole thing has always been a, you know, false reality and like everybody else is in on it and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Oh, so I, I'm honored that you would put all this on for my benefit i started to think of the harold and Maude thing of i would not say benefit but like it, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> yeah it's you know if, if all of this is a grand illusion that's being put on for 
you know, if you're using all this processing power to amuse or contain me, uh, must be <laughs> pretty damn interesting. I don't know. For sure. <laughs> um, well, I guess this is a good as good time as any to bring uh, the interview to a close. I just want to give you a chance to bring my listeners' awareness to anything that you are currently working on, or any social media or projects. I'm currently you want working to plug. on my Amazon essay. Believe it is coming. Um, <laughs> we are all uh, waiting with bated breath. No, when my book comes out. But my book of, of it's going to be great. Um, it's been a long time coming. I will be potentially solvent even, but it, it, it's I'm getting over myself on that one. Um, you can find my Arrowhead essays on the excellent psychedelic information site Arrowhead.org. If you just put Arrowhead um, Tea Time one word T E A T I M E yes. and Tea Fairy spelled like I spell it T E A F A E R I E. And you uh, you're gonna that. you're gonna send me uh, the poem you you worked on. Yeah, sure. Poem. I will send you that, and, and uh, you can send a link, put a link to that, and that'll lead to my other podcasts. Um, okay, for sure. I'll put that in the description. That are just my myself reading my favorite pieces of writing over time. Yeah. And uh, we need it. Well, we need it's that been content. a delight to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful. Friends. Thank you so much. Um, I really, really appreciate you time. taking the time. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. keeping on and keeping us all amused in these bright and beautiful times. Yes, trying, and thank you for for what you're doing too, and just very much appreciate you, T Fairy. So keep up the good appreciate work. Appreciate new people I know listening you to this. Thank you, future hey, people. people. Hope it's awesome in the future. <laughs> What's up? All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take bye. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with the T Fairy, and thank you again to the great T Fairy for coming on the BMP. And um, as always, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so financially at my Patreon, which is www.patreon slash noetics. And you can sponsor the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You get bonus content when you become a sponsor, and you can cancel at any time. Um, if you would like to support the podcast but are not ready to do it financially, there's a bunch of ways that you can do that as well for free. The biggest one is just by spreading the word about the BMP and telling a friend, um, rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whatever podcast platforms you use to listen to the BMP, and um, also setting the show to automatic download for the metrics when you do subscribe. And then you can always wipe the memory of your phone every couple weeks or whatever. Um, not the whole memory, obviously, but just the, uh, the episodes. I, I give that, I say that because A, it helps the metrics, and B, also, I get this all the time from people who, people have a lot going on in their lives, and everyone's always like, I'm so sorry I haven't listened to the last episode. And I'm like, first off, there's no rush. Once I post the episode, it's there, um, you know, forever. So that's the beauty of the podcast. And also, I know that sometimes you just don't have time to listen, but if you set it to automatic download when you subscribe, then it helps, it helps me out um, without, even if you don't have time to listen to it, still helps me. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, y'all. Um, stay safe out there. Be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. I love each and every one of you, and we'll talk to you real soon here on the Barbarian Noetics Podcast. Peace. Nos olhos Sem dar sermão Nadar na boca 
no coração Seus amigos são Um cachimbo e um cão Casa de papelão Olhos nos olhos Preste atenção Olha a ocupação Só ficou você Só restou você Uivo um louco sangue em choro Pra agradar opressão Seu faca esquartejada, alma amarga, massa lata Estoura pulmão Toda pedra acaba, toda brisa passa Toda morte chega e laça São pra mais de um milhão E o glamour vai colher Corpos na Várias portas E em cada porta uma comporta Que se retrai e às vezes se desloca E quantos segredos não foram guardados nessa maloca Flutuar no céu poluído da cidade e beber Toda a sua mentira Esperança minha Torneira sem água Moeda É religião que alicia Vamos cantar para nossos mortos Vamos chorar pelos que ficam, orar por melhores dias e se humilhar por um novo abrigo. Não de foi seu faca esquartejada, alma amarga, massa lata. Estoura pulmão. Toda pedra acaba, toda brisa passa, toda morte chega e laça São pra mais de um milhão
olhos vão se erguer E o glamour vai colher Corpos na multidão 